to another edition of the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast. I'm Andrew Houghton. Joining me this week, repeat guest on the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast. I believe one of the only repeat guests so far on the <laughs> Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast outside of Montana head coach Chris Chitovitsky. It's Jackson Wagner, the voice of the Montana Grizzlies soccer team. Hey, thanks for having me. Chris is also a much more important repeat guest to have. I'm going to just throw that out there right, <laughs> right man, now. I'll tell you something about Chris Chitovitsky, man. He is really, really articulate about yeah. the game and his ideas within the game and the way that the game works. And so we love having him on. I think that's so important for a program like that where they're trying to build a fan base and they're trying to build a following because he understands how important that is, but it just helps so much when you're able to talk articulately and interestingly about what it is that you are trying to promote. So he does a great job at that. Shout out to Chris Chitovitsky. But my man Jackson does that as well, and Jackson had plenty of experience with the Montana Grizzlies soccer team this year, so I want to start there, Jackson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a great year. Like you said, Chris is building something here. I mean, there's a lot of history with this Grizz program, a team that is towards the top of the big sky almost every year. But Chris, it seems like, wants to take them to a whole nother level, and he's on his way to it, not here for very long. And, I mean, the guy's got more titles than you can keep track of already. So he's uh, he's got something good, and it was another good season that culminated in yet another big sky tournament championship this year. No doubt. So let's let's run down the basics a little bit. Montana won two one nothing games in the big sky conference tournament beat Sacramento State and then Weber State 1-0 in the final to make it to the NCAA tournament for the third time in four seasons now yeah. under Chris Chitovitsky, which is just incredibly impressive especially when you're playing you know knockout one game soccer in the conference tournament anything can happen yeah to and have that record at that exactly. tournament yeah is incredible yeah I don't know how he does it to get them to get them to peak at the end of the year but they've done it now like I said, three out of four times. Yeah. Another great season for Montana went to Pullman, Washington for the first round of the NCAA tournament last weekend. We're recording this on Thursday, November 18th. I'm hoping to have it out before this weekend, but with certain other things happening <laughs> in Missoula this it's weekend. A, it's not a big weekend in Missoula, is Yeah, it? Nothing, nothing happening yeah. this weekend. Just, uh, you know, <laughs> I, hear, I hear they're playing a big American football game. Yeah. Uh, it might be out early next week, but... Montana losing 3 nothing to Washington State in Pullman in the first round of the NCAA tournament in a game in which I attended, for one thing, great great atmosphere. I just want to say that yeah. at, in Pullman. You could tell through the TV I was not there like you were, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I mean, it, it sounded like there were drums playing. There was a loud crowd. There was it, it, just a different atmosphere, I'm guessing, than anything Montana saw this year. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a cute little stadium. Like it wasn't like you could tell that they weren't doing thousands of people there every game. But when you put five hundred or six hundred people who care about it in a nice little intimate stadium, we got. I was sitting in the press box right right above the stands, right you know not elevated or anything, just right behind everybody. I thought it was a really good crowd, and I thought it was really like pretty idyllic place to watch a soccer game. So that was great. You watched the game on TV. I was there. I thought that Montana played really well, and we can get into some of the complexities of why they played well and how they had to uh, adjust their game from Big Sky competition against Washington State. Because, man, Washington State is a really, really talented team. I mean, just lots of of big girls, lots of really athletic players. I mean, the first three or four minutes into the game when I think their their left winger just 
turning and burning. Yep. Yeah. Right, right down the sideline and and knocked the ball past the, the left wing back and got down the sideline and you're like, man, no wonder they're playing. You know, Montana's packing it in so much. But what did you think? Yeah, completely agree. I mean, it was fairly obvious from first kick that the speed, the size, the athleticism was in favor of Washington State. Like you said, I mean, they just essentially tried to get it to the end line and swing in some crosses and they could do it. I mean, they got it to the end line at will. So it was tough to kind of picture a way for Montana to win that match when you can get dangerous opportunities like that. I mean, like you said, they packed it in. Allie Monroe starts with Molly Massman. I don't think we saw those two share the field for more than 10 minutes the entire season. A couple of defensive midfielders just kind of sitting in front of the back line. But it was what you had to do, and there—I mean, there were chances. Montana probably should have, very easily, could have taken the lead early on because of Ali Monroe, who's never scored a goal in her life, but or at, uh, probably in her life—I shouldn't say that—at UM, right? But hits the crossbar early on that, that maybe the game goes a lot differently if the Grizz get a goal, right? And a really gorgeous move by Montana to get that chance. Uh, Taylor Stoger, mm-hmm. sort of on the left side of the box, good hold-up play, got away from her marker for a second, sort of just. Pass the ball back across the top of the box or back towards the top of the box. One Washington State defender completely misses on it, and that's the little bit of luck that you need when you're an underdog. Yeah. Comes right to Allie Monroe at the top of the box, and she put a really good hit on it, and it hit right the top right corner of the goal frame and came back out. I actually thought it was in for a second because that was the end of the field where I was furthest away from. Okay. And just the way that the, the net shook when it hit, I thought it was... Yeah, oh, it angled God. back down in, too. It wasn't like it just clipped it. I mean, it a couple an inch or two lower, and it might have ricocheted right in. So a, a great chance there, and Montana could have taken the lead. And then, you know, shortly after that and shortly before halftime, Washington State went ahead on just a play where, you know, they're bigger and stronger yeah. and... Washington State was getting a lot of set-piece chances in that game, both from corners and from deep free kicks because they had the ball in Montana's half so much. And when you're giving up that many set-piece chances to a team that is just so much bigger than you, like they're going to score one eventually. They had one hit the post right before that, had one cleared off the line right before that, eventually got a header from a deep free kick at the back post. A a nice header to lift it back over Camellia Zoo and into the goal, and from there it just becomes so much more difficult for Montana because you know that you have to score and you know you're probably only going to get one or two more chances at it. Yeah, and Montana not really a goal-scoring team. I think going into it, the hope maybe was that they could keep it 0-0 for as long as possible. Montana's the best defensive team in the big sky. It's what, I mean, you mentioned it, 1-0-1-0 at the tournament. So they really rely on that defense and I think trying to score against a team like Washington State when you were in a uh, we have to score right now mentality was going to be hard it was the Allie Monroe attempt early on was kind of off a counter that was the sense all day long that that was the only chance they were going to have was a quick counter and hopefully it's 0-0 so that Washington State has to keep putting numbers forward but once they got an advantage and then the two goals too it it really became hard to see any way back for the Grizz. Right, so that's what I find so fascinating. Anyway, in, in the second half, I mean, Montana really defended well. Yep. Like, again, until the last 10 or 12 minutes of the game, Montana maybe had a chance to, to tie it, a half chance maybe, on a ball that got through to Molly Massman at the back post, yeah. and she just couldn't quite get it under control and, and was under pressure and couldn't really get a shot away, but it, it, it was a good chance. And that was right right after that Washington State killed it off with two goals in the last 12 minutes as 
Montana was sort of trying to push up field and getting stretched and also getting really tired because they've been defending for yeah. 80 minutes at that point. But a really valiant effort for Montana, and and this is what is so fascinating about it, is just the way that they are forced to play. And when I had Chris Chitovitsky in here for the first time this season, it was right after they beat Texas Southern 6 to nothing. Yeah, And we talked <laughs> about, I mean, this is the way that they want to play. Like, they want to push their wingbacks up. They want to have possession in the opponent's half in the attacking third. They want to uh, pressure, and uh, I mean, they want to do to teams in the Big Sky Conference basically what Washington State did to them. Yeah. Because that is the safest way to win a game when you have a talent advantage. You want to not let the other team get any chances because you're on the ball constantly and you're pressing them in their half and getting it back right away when you lose it. And that worked for them. I mean, that yeah. Montana took the third most shots in the conference. They were winning all these games one nothing in the Big Sky Conference. They were getting a ton of opportunities. So it worked in the Big Sky. And then you come into... I mean, first of all, they had to do this in the second half of the Weber State game because they went up 1-0 early in that game in the, in the conference championship game. So that was a little bit, but then especially when you're playing in the first round of the NCAA tournament, every team you're matched up against, now suddenly they're going to do that to you and you have to play a completely different way. And it's just so fascinating, the dichotomy between these styles and, and trying to switch back and play defensive and counterattacking when you have tried not to do that for the last 12 games in conference oh absolutely yeah you mentioned it and i think chris the reason that you want to do that get it out wide get it to your wing backs is because those were the best players on the field for montana no taylor doubt. hansen is going down as probably one of if not the best player to have ever played for the program more minutes more games than anyone else and they really relied on her all year long just getting her the ball in the open space on the wings and played essentially i mean it's a five-person defense but the two wingbacks were forward all the time so having to adjust to that sit back in and at least they kind of know a little bit about it since they've done it to the team so often this year but yeah tough to uh tough to not play your style which i think is what you're really forced to do like you said against a team like washington state you can't ever get comfortable in the match because they're not going to let you i mean taylor hansen did not make any runs up the right wing you know that's normally a place we see her just living at and it's just hard to get that going right exactly and it's so uh, the, the contradiction between it is that the the next step left for montana is to win a game in the ncaa tournament because they've won three big sky tournament championships in four years we've talked about it constantly yeah you of course can never expect them to keep that i mean it, it's it's a huge task to keep that streak going right yeah. but they have established themselves at that level the next step is to win a game in the NCAA tournament, and to do that, you have to play really, I don't know what the right word is for it. Uh, timidly is not the right word for it, although that's what I'm thinking of right now. You, you just have to play completely differently and much more defensively to do that. But that's the only step that's left for them, so, you know, that's what they have to do. Yeah. One more, one more word about Taylor Hansen, and I wrote about this in my game story too, man. Incredible. Yeah. She was playing, she started on the left because Elise Bennett, Washington State's right winger, was their best player this year. 10 goals, 4 assists, all Pac-12. I mean, she's she's going pro wherever she wants. She's so fast. So Chris Chitovitsky moved Taylor Hansen over to the left to, to deal with her. Yeah. And she just stoned her. I mean, Washington State got their first goal off set pieces. They built a bunch of good attacks through the middle. Aside from one early run in the first five minutes of the game, whenever Elise Bennett tried to run past Taylor Hansen, knock it past her, face up, take her off the dribble, 
couldn't do it. Yeah. Incredible. On her offside against a, a great, great player. And, I, you know, I thought that we didn't see her in the box that much. I thought that when she had a chance to get on the ball, she was also probably Montana's best player going forward progressively because she was able to get on the ball. She's never afraid to dribble to try to take the player on. She's never afraid to play a one-two. She was able to do that a couple times. I thought that was the best that I've seen from Taylor Hansen, who's a player we've had in here on this podcast, who's a player I've gushed over the entire year, but that was just an incredible performance, so shout out to her. Yeah. Washington State moved Bennett back to the other side in the second half. Get her away from her. To get her away from Taylor Hansen, and that just works out for Montana because Taylor Hansen's just going to shadow her over there, and now <laughs> she's back on her natural side. It was unreal. Yeah, and that's, for a player like Taylor Hansen, she had the chance to leave and just be done. You know, the COVID year brings her back and a lot of her senior class alexa coyle claire howard said no we're done we're going to pursue opportunities elsewhere alexa coyle now playing professionally taylor hansen thought she maybe was not quite at that level and coach chitavitsky also you know thought she had some work that could be done in this last season to become a leader to become a better teammate and for her to come back and put on a display like that in her last college game i mean I think that's a player who can continue playing overseas. She's going to find a chance to continue playing soccer in her life. No doubt, somewhere. And she's better set up now for yep. that because she did come back. And, I mean, just showed, showed the entire tape of that of that last game. She was yep. incredible. What a performance, what a player. Like you said, probably one of the greats in, in Montana history. I mean, I know she holds the record for games and minutes now at Montana, but uh, an unbelievable player. Yeah, I think just looking at the run of team success as well that they had while no she doubt. was here, that you got to factor it in. And she, I mean, the goals aren't there because she's a wing back. The assists are there. So she's going to go down top 10 in assists and games played. She's she's a legend. Yeah, and I'm really interested to see where she does play if she chooses to yeah. go professional, which I think she is doing. Jackson, just uh, your thoughts on the season as a whole. And, and what it does to cement Montana as the top of the Big Sky Conference, or, or just what you thought. I mean, you watched more of that team yeah. than I did, certainly, probably than most everybody did. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's a team that was, we talk about Hanson and all of her experience, but there was a lot of underclassmen, too. I mean, Camellia Zoo is the Big Sky Conference Goalkeeper of the Year, a very well-deserved honor, was tops in the nation in clean sheets for a long time this year. And it, she's the real deal. She's going to be around for four years. And that's what you need. I mean, that's what kind of this whole team is based off of is a good a good goal stopper, a good shot stopper. She can distribute as well. But with a good back line in front of her, there's other players coming back. Allie Larson's coming back. They got several center backs coming back. That that line is going to be great as well. So they're built for success for a long time. They'll They'll bring back. You know, they lose Taylor Stoger, I believe, is a senior. Yeah, but I think she's a senior. They'll bring back a lot of other talent. Skylie Thompson, at the end of the year, is a player that has to get a special shout-out because she changed the offense. A freshman, a Montana girl, and it was just the fastest player, basically, on the pitch and the hardest worker when she came in. And she created a lot of goals and some crucial goals in Big Sky Conference games that ended up, you know, the difference between they end up second place in the regular season they very well could have dropped fourth or fifth if she doesn't help contribute on some of these goals Thompson was incredible and changed the offense because that was really the one thing they were lacking was a great yes they had good possession game great defense but kind of that dynamic forward that was going to just create a moment of magic and she she provided that 
Yeah, Skylie Thompson, the freshman from Thompson Falls, I believe. Really, really good player, really noticeable player because she is super fast and she's always pressing. And of course, she's got the red hair. So, like, she yeah. stands out. <laughs> and she did score a lot of big goals for them this year. Camelia Zhu, a breakout star, like, man, we haven't yeah. had around here in a while. She. She's really good. She, yeah. We're going to have her on the podcast at some point in this offseason because I really want to talk to her about her entire season and what she's doing at Montana. I mean, this is a girl who is a Canadian Youth International or a potential Canadian Youth International. I know Chris Chitovitsky has that pipeline. Yeah, they oh, just signed oh, another one on the, in I the saw recruiting class the other day. Yep. Yeah, he's got that pipeline up to the Great White North. So we're, we're super excited to talk with her, hopefully, at some point in the near future on this podcast. But uh, one more story from the Washington State game about her. I mean, just yeah. watching her warm up, she her hands, so soft. Like, yep. she's catching everything. Catching everything. Her, her distribution is something that needs work, but she's really athletic. She has great hands. Jay Landham, the, the goalkeeping coach, is, is punting with her before the game, and he's just lining balls oh, yeah. at her from the, from the halfway line. She's standing on the end line, and she's just catching them nonchalantly. No big deal. She made one one diving save in the first half of that Washington State game where it's like, oh, man, looks really impressive, but, like, it's an easy save for her. Yeah. Oh, and I think that nonchalantly is the key word because she is one of the most composed players as well. Just for a freshman, you would never – if you came out and just watched a Grizz soccer game for the first time, you'd think, oh, that girl has been here for a long time. She knows what she's doing. She's got no fear, never – I don't know, it just never shows any signs of being flustered, anything. She is calm, composed, which is exactly what you want from a keeper. 100%. So a, a player to watch, along with many on this Montana State, yeah. or, or this Montana soccer team. Ooh. I know. It's, it's that this week. This week is know, getting to me, man. <laughs> I'm Andrew Houghton. This is the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast. Jackson Wagner, the voice of the Montana Grizzlies soccer team, joining me. Just spent a while discussing this very successful Montana soccer season. Yes. The Grizz making it to the NCAA tournament for the third time in four years. We'll take a short break. When we come back, moving on into the wider world of soccer, I wanted to do a little MLS playoffs preview, which starts this weekend. I love the MLS, so we'll talk about that a little bit. Talk a little bit about the U.S. men's national team, which had a successful qualifying window, and whatever else we get into. You're listening to the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast. on the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast, the new soccer podcast presented by ESPN Missoula Radio. I'm Andrew Houghton. You can listen to the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and also make sure to catch the Footy 15 segment twice a month on Nuanas now, 4 to 6 p.m. on ESPN Missoula Radio. This week I'm joined by my good friend Jackson Wagner, a former Montana Journalism School colleague of mine who is now the voice of the Montana Grizzlies soccer team. A big soccer fan, Jackson. We talked about the Grizz. Yeah. Let's move on to the wider world of soccer here. MLS playoffs start this weekend, which yeah. is something that I've been looking forward to for a long, long time. I got into MLS five or six years ago, like really heavy, and it's because it's a soccer league unlike any of the others in the world because there's a bunch yeah. of this Americanized stuff mixed into it, like a salary cap and 
the playoffs yeah, are the most important say playoffs thing. Playoffs is yeah, not like, a thing in the rest of the world. <laughs> right. You you have the FA Cup and the League Cup competitions in every country around the world. Those aren't as important as winning the league at the end of the year. Yeah. As having the most And they points. happen throughout the year, which you know, mixes in with your regular season games. That yeah. Right. It's different. And MLS is man, if you if you've watched the NBA or the NFL, it works exactly like that. You have a regular season. And the trophy for the champion at the end of the regular season is more important than having the best record in the NFL, the Supporters' Shield. I mean, it's a very important thing to win. Yeah. Everybody cares about MLS Cup. Playoffs happen at the end of the season. We're heading into them right now. It's been a confusing MLS season, as MLS seasons always are. They're just <laughs> every week, man. There's one result that's just inexplicable. Everybody's up and down. Yeah. But we're heading into it now. Jackson, just ask me questions about the MLS playoffs. We'll do an introductory segment here because I know you haven't followed the league all that much. But. Yeah, yeah. It's I feel like I used to like the MLS a lot more, and I don't know what happened, but I have stopped this year and kind of going back to COVID year when they had the uh, they played in Florida, correct for a while. They had a bubble in Orlando yeah. with just a tournament. Yep. Which I I think they called it the MLS is back tournament. Yeah. And it's very, you know, (laughs) I think I lost track then and have failed to get back on track. So there's some new changes. I know though. So how playoffs we get to the end and there's more teams in the MLS now. So they added some spots. Correct. So how many teams make it? They're going to keep adding teams. Yeah. Yeah. MLS is on a big expansion kick. So it's top seven in each conference. Make it. I believe I think the conferences were unbalanced this year. 13 teams in the West. 14 looking in the it up. East. Yeah, 14, like. 14 in the East because Cincinnati's the most recent expansion team. Or oh, Austin was the most recent expansion team. I don't know, whatever. This is the weirdness, so of, many. This yeah. is the weirdness of MLS that I'm talking about. Unbalanced conferences, but yeah. Top seven in each conference make it. Only the first seed gets a bye. So we're, we've got some big names playing this weekend in the, in the first weekend. I mean, a couple favorites could be out. Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious one that even I know is Seattle Sounders. They've been to the, I think I saw a stat today, 12 out of 12, they've been to the conference semifinals. The previous 12 years, basically since they've been a team, they've been in the semifinals. They've got to play this weekend, though. What are are your thoughts? Are they going to get it done again? Hard to bet against. I think so. Yeah, the Sounders just have it locked in more than any other team. They have what they want to do locked in more than any other team in the league because they've been more consistently successful than any other team in the league. This is a team whose MO has been generally to start slow and then make a move in the summer, in the summer transfer window, pick somebody up, whatever, come on strong in the second half of the season. It's actually not the case for them this year because they started the season on a, a big unbeaten streak, which I think was a league record or something close to it, and then have sort of fallen off they finished on 60 points so they're second in the west one point behind colorado which is why they're playing this weekend but man they've got a lot of talent i think and we can talk about this i think they might be my favorite to win mls cup role Diaz, their strikers coming back jordan morris jordan, i was gonna say jordan morris is healthy again right he's getting there and if you're yeah if you're this is big for us spends national team fans too the winger yeah Probably the fastest player in the pool, or maybe right behind Christian Pulisic. Yeah. Tours ACL about yeah, a year he, ago. He hasn't played at all this season, right? And they're still second in the West. Now they get he him. He hasn't as played a, the entire year. He's as coming a sub, back. Maybe yeah, for the yeah. playoffs. That's a last thirty super minutes sub. of games. Right. 
they've been they've been really good this year. They're just so hard to bet against. I mean, their their defense is good. Nicola Darrow might not be back for the playoffs. He's been out too. I mean, they've been missing their three biggest players for huge chunks of this season. No. But uh Joe Paulo in midfield has had two of the best goals of the MLS season. Look him up if you're listening to this podcast. He's super great. The guys they're getting back and and Raul Rudy, they've just done it before. I mean, Raul Rudy has yeah. scored a million goals in the playoffs. And Brian Schmetzer came over, took over for Siggy Schmidt. They didn't miss a beat. I I think that's a really really good team. Yeah. Are they are they your favorites in the West? Yes. Yeah, I think they are. The team to watch this weekend cuz they're one that's going to be playing. Who's another team to watch in these opening rounds? Obviously, New England had a had a record-setting year, but they're not playing quite yet. Right, and that's the other team that's sort of been the story of this MLS season. New England, 73 points, easily the Supporters' Shield winners by 12 points over Colorado. New MLS single-season record for points in the season. They're really good, too, and I don't know if I'm just discounting their chances as compared to Seattle because they haven't been here before. Yeah. Or, you know, their their stars haven't been around the league for as long. Yeah. I feel like there's almost a curse of the Supporters' Shield winner, too. It's it's very rare that the best team in the regular season ends up winning the MLS Cup. Well, this is because it's so it's so weird. I mean, that's why it's kind of, it's kind of weird that MLS values the playoff winner so yeah. much more than the Supporters' Shield winner because it's two completely different things. Yeah. Like, obviously, you have to be a pretty good team to win both. Supporter Shield is about, you know, six months or seven months of just being consistent week in and week out and winning games when your star players are out for whatever reason, grinding out results on the oh, road yeah. and stuff. Man, MLS Cup is like the playoffs are like three or four games. So just get hot, have the best players at the end, yeah. be healthiest at the end. Yeah, so, what, are, what are your thoughts I'm curious to see because I feel like a lot of people that don't follow soccer or don't appreciate it are very like, ah, this, they don't even have a tournament to win it. You know, March Madness is the best thing on earth. There's no tournament, so I don't care about soccer. But to me, it does, it crowns the truer champion. What are, what are your thoughts on that? I don't think that one is better or worse. It's yeah. just so much different than what every other soccer league in the world does. Yeah. And I think that. You know, in a game that's so much determined by the bounce of the ball and strokes of luck as soccer is, and in a game where, you know, teams like like we were just talking about with Montana, teams like Montana can just defend and counter against a team like Washington State and have a decent chance at being in that game in a one-game scenario— Oh man, it just makes it, it it makes it so (laughs) weird to me. Yeah, because like in in the NBA. Or something in the NBA if you're playing like a one-game playoff, whatever. Yeah, the, the John Morant could get hot for the Grizzlies and score 46 points, and they upset the Warriors, and they're through. But if you John Morant could get hot for that game, and then you've still got to play five more games, and you still got to win four of them. Or for exactly, or even in even in basketball, I mean, even if 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 that happens, that's fine. But it's not like the Grizzlies can just like refuse to shoot for 20 minutes and yeah. get one shot True. at the end of the game and and win right like you're you got to play straight up basically True. and i guess another tie into this which you can answer better than i can it's a new format this year correct because there used to be home and away so you'd we would host you you would come 
And then we would travel, I guess. Yeah. So you it, play at each home venue, and it's an aggregate score over the two, which maybe is a little more fair. It used to be, I think it used it used to be mixed, where I think you would play one game in the wild card rounds and then go into mm. two-legged ties in the next round, and then MLS Cup, of course, is back to being one game. Yeah. This year, I think it's it's all just one-game scenarios. I, I do not think they're doing two-legged ties in any round this year. So, yeah, I mean, it just ups the randomness even more. Yeah. I don't really know what to think about it, but that's that's the thing. I mean, a lot of teams could win this year because all it takes is getting hot. I mean, yeah. Who's your who's your dark horse candidate? If one player or one team is going to get hot from maybe they start on the road, so what that would be the fifth seed or fifth, sixth, or seventh seed. Well, man, I know. I look, know I don't want to say Atlanta United, <laughs> but like Atlanta United have Joseph Martinez yep. and have Ezekiel Barco and have Miles Robinson, who might be the best defender in the league. Yeah, they just bought a ten million dollar winger from the French league, Luis Araujo, who's really talented. It hasn't fit all the way together yet, but yeah, I mean, I'm a homer. Like, yeah, they have the most expensive. They have the most expensive <laughs> roster in the league. Like, Joseph Martinez is one of the greatest goal scorers in MLS history. I mean, if he gets hot, like. It's, it's a wrap. Yeah. I mean, they're so good, potentially. In the West, and this is not from the, the bottom the bottom three seeds, not going on the road this round, but yeah. Portland in fourth. A, oh, yeah. Another really good team. I mean, sort of like Atlanta with Joseph Martinez coming back in the second half of the season. Portland got Sebastian Blanco back for the second half of the season, who was the MVP of that weird MLS's back tournament that we talked about yeah. that happened last year. He changes them. Yeah, incredible player, and and has made up for Diego Valeri finally getting old. Yeah, there. That's a team. I lived in Portland, so I got to see some Timbers games, and that was a team that always seemed like there was a couple key players that they were really counting on. Diego Valeri being one, and he he delivered for so many years, but it's kind of catching up to him now. No doubt, but they're still so talented. I would. I mean, man. Portland, Seattle, Western Conference Final, right? Would like be incredible. It kind of feels like it's coming down to that. Other teams in the East, I mean, the the East is pretty stacked. New York City FC is the four, which had the Golden Boot winner this year in Valentin Castellanos. They're really good. Philadelphia is really good. The two seed. Yeah, they're taking on the Red Bulls in round one. That's my that's my team that I'd associate with for some reason or another i think the and red bulls are good too yeah right a good defensive team they're coming on hot too they've been on a very good run at the end of the season which again is what you need well and it's like they have had to be on a run at the end of the season yeah. because that eastern conference playoff race and i was living through this too as a fan of atlanta united just crazy yeah. i mean they've been playing playoff games essentially for a month month and a half mm-hmm. because you can't drop those points and they got in with the seven seed I don't know how much that changes things because it's like Chris Chitavisky talked about this because they had a bye in the first round of the Big Sky Tournament and then had to come in and face a Sac State team. Red hot. playing really hot because yeah. they won their first round game and Sac State kind of you know took it to them a little bit in the first half of that game because they had played more recently. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. They had a little run of confidence. We'll see how much that plays in, but teams like the Red Bulls have been sort of in that playoff atmosphere and playing really well in that playoff atmosphere. For a while now. This is the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast. I'm Andrew Houghton. Jackson Wagner, my good friend, joining me. The voice of the Montana Grizzlies soccer team. Not a huge MLS fan, <laughs> but uh, happy that he joined me for an MLS playoff preview. Yes. Jackson, just a couple more things before we go. Another good window, yeah. more or less, yeah. Yeah. for the United States men's soccer team in World Cup qualifying. Just a two-game window this time. Yeah, just two games, which was nice. You don't have to have... I, 
it was tough the previous windows three games in usually eight days and you're traveling from the u.s to costa rica to el salvador all across the caribbean it was tough to get a consistent lineup this time i think nine returning starters from the first game and the only reason the other two didn't was because of yellow card or red card yeah miles robinson yeah. red card against mexico that's okay though he's still i mean 2-0 against mexico the dos acero that is the score line that has happened so many times throughout the years we talked about fc cincinnati the game was played in cincinnati at that stadium which looked absolutely incredible just an electric atmosphere and uh, yeah to beat mexico i mean that's what it comes down to you got to beat mexico the biggest rivals that the u.s has they're going to be competing with them for the top spot on the table although canada has something to say about that as well but get the win there and then to to just get the draw against jamaica was kind of disheartening but still four points and a, a point on the road is something you'll take right i mean that's what it is you win your home games you draw on the road and you're through mm-hmm. and so to get a home win against i mean the best or the other best team yeah. in the classification i think and i know people are dumping on mexico right now but they're still really good yeah, that that's huge. And then, I mean, you're disappointed by the draw against Jamaica because the U.S. went up early and it took an incredible goal to get Jamaica back into it. And then sort of after that, the U.S. didn't really look like they were in the game as much. So yeah. it, it's disappointing. But man, I mean, on the road, you get a point. You're in second place in the standings. You got to take it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a hard to manage the expectations because it's the most talented team that the U.S. has ever had, but it was also the second youngest team they've ever started. And that's, you know, when it comes to playing against these CONCACAF teams, there's a lot of gamesmanship. There's a lot of things that you don't normally see, especially these young guys that are playing, you know, 18, 19 year olds across the, across the pond over in the European leagues. They don't see the same type of game that is happening in these CONCACAF world cup qualifiers. So Still good results. Uh, a couple standout performances. Miles Robinson, one of them, again, against oh, Mexico yeah. before the red card. He was outstanding. And that's the uh, the MLS center back pairing of Zimmerman and Robinson really leading the way for the U.S. right now. John Brooks didn't even get called up, uh, arguably the most talented center back in the U.S. player pool. Well, but the, the highest profile one. Yeah, exactly. Because he's been in Germany for forever, and yep. he's captained this team before. Yeah, he's playing in the Champions League. He's got that He's got that resume, but Zimmerman and Robinson are solid. Yeah, Walker Zimmerman, uh, the Nashville center back, joining Miles yeah. Robinson for the first of those two games, and then did uh, Chris Richards start Chris against Richards Jamaica? Chris got the start. Yeah, yep. the young, young Bayern center back. So which that, is another exciting prospect. Absolutely. I mean, that's, it's, they're deep at the center back position, which is good. Which is something that was sort of up in the air before, yeah. I mean, these last yeah. couple windows. Yeah, the United States second in the yeah. CONCACAF World Cup qualifying standings behind Canada, who, man, what an incredible scene <laughs> in, uh, in Canada's game against Mexico. The Estadio Azteca. I mean, it looked miserable. Oh, man, yeah. I can't imagine being there playing in that. Well, Guillermo anyway. looked like he did not want to be there playing in that. Man, he looked like he wanted to go inside. He looked yeah. like he did not want to have to touch the ball because I bet it probably hurt real bad. Oh, absolutely. Wind, snow, cold. I think it was close to zero degrees there. Wind chill, maybe around zero. That's not something you can ever really get used to playing in. Right. So two not great goalkeeping yeah. moments from Guillermo Ochoa spilled the first shot 
and then didn't come for a cross on Canada's second goal. Kyle Lorin scoring twice. Mexico got a late one, put a lot of pressure on Canada late. I think they had to to clear the ball off the goal line, but just a historic win for Canada, 2-1 over Mexico. They're top of the table right now with zero losses. really, really good, man. Good for Canada. And Alfonso Davies is probably the best player in CONCACAF. It's not even really close. And, uh, yeah, I mean... Tejan Buchanan, who plays for New England yep. uh, as a winger on the other side, wing back, whatever. Yeah. Uh, just Jonathan David is another great striker playing and, and, with Timothy Weah yeah. in France. And uh, and Lorin is, is playing in Turkey, I think, still, but he's a, he's a great prospect as well. Yeah. That's a good Canada team. So they're in first place, 16 points. USA in second with 15. Mexico and Panama tied on 14 points. As a reminder... Top three teams qualify automatically. Yeah. Fourth place team goes to a playoff against uh, one of the lower down finishers from Asia, yeah. I believe. And that would be a two-legged playoff. You don't want to be in that. You'd so probably be favored. Three, yeah, but, but man. You do not want it to come down to that. Especially you're traveling halfway around the world yep. for one of those games. Like, you don't want to be in that. So nobody else really in contention. Costa Rica fifth on nine points. So they've got a lot of work to uh, yeah. to get back into it. But man, it looks like it's four teams for... Three spots. With two and, windows to go. Yeah, three spots that. and one kind of spot. It's it's tense, man, and I will never take it for granted again after what happened Yeah. last time. Yeah, you used to just assume the U.S. was always going to be playing in the World Cup, and then to not make Russia 2018 was maybe the lowest point in at least since we've been alive in U.S. men's soccer history. So Really depressing evening, I'll tell you yeah. that, when... Uh, not only did the U.S. not beat Trinidad and Tobago, but the other results Come didn't back. go their yeah. way either. Yeah. And it is just, man, super depressing. Not something you ever want to visit again. But I think that the U.S. is taking this seriously this time. Yeah. They've looked more or less good in these games. The last thing, the other sort of big news around U.S. soccer, not the men's team, Carly Lloyd retiring from yeah. the women's team since the last time we've talked. I guess that's kind of old news by now Still. in the middle of November. What's your what's your biggest Carly Lloyd memory? I think the biggest Lloyd memory I have is her goal from midfield or close to it right. in the final. I think I that's mean, that for, just, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean that's mine too. <laughs> yeah, you can't just can't. That was as good as it gets. I I don't even think that was not the game winner if I remember correctly, right? They were it was already early up. it was early in the game, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was the game winner either, but I don't think it was like. But it was just like, yeah. oh man, this is we are going to win another championship. Carly Lloyd is the best, an absolute legend. Yeah, that that goal more than maybe any other goal in men's international, men's club level, any like just soccer in general sticks in my mind. Yeah, and I mean a hat trick. Yeah, in the women's World Cup final, like come on, doesn't man. get better than that. Yeah. Passing off the number 10 as well was an emotional uh, an emotional moment. Yeah. She's worn it for years for the US. Yeah, she's been around for forever. Yeah. She's played in four Women's World Cups starting in 2007. So, man, that's she's she's lived through eras of the US women's soccer team because yeah. I mean, played at the height of the Abby Wambach years and sort of as as they've started to transition new players like Rose Lavelle and Tobin Heath coming in and yeah yeah I was gonna ask you who do you think is the best I feel like Carly Lloyd maybe is the best that the U.S. has had but maybe not the most recognizable Abby Wambach obviously is well Mia Hamm right yeah I feel like even Rapino of history yeah even Rapino on this team it seems like gets 
kind of more more of the fame, more of the glory. But Carly Lloyd to me is a, is a better actual player. Well, here's the thing. And, uh, and I love them all. Uh, yes. <laughs> I got to say that iconic, as well. But just... Iconic American sports yeah. team. And that it has been for 30 yeah. years now. Here's the thing. And this is kind of a tangent. And we should wrap this up <laughs> at some point. But like, man, such the interesting thing about U.S. women's national team stars is it's like there is there's skill on the pitch and then there's stardom outside of it. Yeah. And sometimes those things don't line up because... These women are just icons to generations of young women. Yeah. You know, young children, I should say, not even yeah. to, to young women, oh, to girls and boys. So I think, you know, starting from like the Mia Hamm teams, because she was famous out. I mean, she was the best player, but she was famous outside of that. Yeah. And Brandy Chastain, of course, with the iconic picture yeah. at the end of the 1998 World Cup. <laughs> yeah. 99, Some, 99, I was gonna say, 99, right? Late 90s they, for sure. Yeah. And then players like Megan Rapino, like you mentioned, who is yeah. an incredible player, but has done you know, so much off the pitch as well. Right. She's exactly. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting contrast. Carly Lloyd is a player who had that skill on the field for so long and sort of grew into that star role off the field. It was not something that she had at the beginning of her career and yeah. i think that that 2015 world cup game that we're talking about where she scored the hat trick against japan and scored from midfield sort of elevated her to that level but it's yeah. just you know it's an interesting thing jackson Good thank stuff. you for coming on thank yeah. you for having me i also i think you're the only person who's ever called me the mo- the voice of montana Grizz soccer you don't so go I by gotta, that I you gotta, don't have like I business cards that. that say that because like <laughs> i'm gonna start now well i don't know i mean we have riley corker in here every monday on Juanes <laughs> now is the the voice of the grizz oh, yeah. i mean you're you're as much the voice of the grizz as he is man because you did a wonderful job doing play-by-play for the montana women's soccer team Thanks. this year really informative so Thank you for that, man. I think you should have business cards to say right. "Voice of the Grizz." I'll get them printed. I like it. Well, I mean, it. That, that's a that's a great <laughs> phrase, man. It flows. I know why Riley says says it all the time. Oh yeah, or he doesn't say it, but people call Riley that all the time. Oh yeah, our good friend Riley Corker in here at ESPN 102.9 Missoula. Yeah, Voice of the Grizz, man. It sounds good. <laughs> this is the Soccer and Snow and Smoke podcast. I'm Andrew Houghton signing off for myself and for jackson wagner good friend of mine jackson thank you again for coming on thank you again for having me we'll have to do it again sometime listen to the soccer and snow and smoke podcast on spotify or wherever you get your podcast simple google search will take you there soccer in snow and smoke also make sure to catch the footy 15 segment twice a month on nuanas now 4 to 6 p.m on espn 102.9 missoula i'm andrew houghton thanks for listening